hope you learn something new every day. I am Joan Boyko, Coordinator of Communications and Community Outreach for the Palm Springs Unified School District. We are here each Sunday at 6.30 a.m. and 99.1 FM KGX and 9 a.m. and 92.3 FM KWXY. We also invite you to download and subscribe to our podcast. It is really easy. All you have to do is go to iTunes, look for you, learn something new, press subscribe. You will get a new show each week. This show, of course, is produced by my stellar team of student interns here in the Digital, Tech, Digital Arts Technology Academy, also known as DATA, at Cathedral City High School under the direction of Mr. Bryce Johnson. And I am very pleased to welcome our brand new interns. This is the first show they are editing. And thank you, thank you to Jeffrey Weppolo, Brianna Meza, and Emily Martin. I look forward to working with all of you during this school year, and we will have lots of fun, no doubt. Today, I am very pleased to welcome our Executive Director of Student Learning, Mr. Mark Arnold. Welcome, Mark. Thank you very much, Joan. Uh, I think you were on the show a couple times before in a different capacity. So, but for those who do not know you, how long have you been with Palm Springs Unified and in what role? Um, I've been in the district now for a total of, gosh, going on 10, 11 years total, I think. Um, I had a little bit of a break. I left the district for three years, but um, was very eager to come back. I've been in the district. While I've been in the district, I've been a principal at Catherine Finch, and, Catherine Finch Elementary, uh, principal at Cabot Yerksa Elementary, and then most recently, I was the director of state and federal programs before just being named the executive executive director of student learning, which I'm very excited. Well, I we were we were disappointed and sad when you left for those three years, and I it, it actually didn't seem like it was three years. I thought it was shorter than that. So um, I'm glad that certainly glad you came back as we all are. And looking forward to working with you in your new role at the cabinet level. So um, describe your role as the director of student learning. Who do you oversee? And um, just give us an overview of the job. Yeah, so I, I'm the executive director of student learning. So I oversee um, educational services. So I oversee the directors that are involved in educational services as well as the coordinators. Um, so a lot of it is, you know, who are, who are those folks directly tied to student learning? So it's, you know, your director of elementary education, your director of secondary education, your coordinator of English learner programs, um, like the director of state and federal programs, which was the position that I'm currently in right now. So it's a lot of those positions that are very tied into what are the programs? How are we mo how are we best addressing the needs of our students? So it's a lot of those things that I'm going to be directly overseeing. Um, and then also kind of looking at how can we improve some of those programs to better meet the needs of our students. Also included in that is our, um, our foundation as well. Just, yes. uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so the, yeah, sorry. No, so the foundation no. also will be a part of that. So I'll be working closely with, with Ellen, Ellen Goodman, um, and, and making sure that, you know, we're, we're working in conjunction with them, that we're looking to see how can we work together again, all about how can we best meet the needs of our students um, across the district. And what, what attracted you to apply for this position? 
Yeah, no, I, it's just, it's one of those things where um, obviously there, I, I, there were a few different positions that were open simultaneously. Um, so when I really looked at the, the different job descriptions, this one really excited me because it was a, uh, it was something when I looked at the job description, it talked a lot about um, trying to find out, trying to figure out ways to improve the programs that we're currently offering to students. Um, and that's kind of been a passion of mine. Um, I've, I think I've, it's been a passion. It's been something that's very much has interested me all throughout my career, something that I also think I've, I've been good at. I think I've had some success at, at the principal level and also at the district level, trying to figure out, you know, if we're struggling in certain areas about how um, uh, you know, areas of addressing student needs, trying to figure out what, how can we adjust or modify some of our programs to better meet those student needs. So that's what really was kind of enticing. And that's why I decided that this was a, this was probably the position that best fit um, my my skill set and best um, kind of, and, and, and also my, my passion areas. So. I, you know, I, the, the previous job that you had um it, the the job that you're you're coming fresh from the, the director of state and federal programs is so different from being a school principal and i have to say mark like there's not and and as we record this show we don't have a replacement for you yet but by the time it airs i'm confident we will that's a that's got to be a, a challenging position in good times it's a lot of paperwork it's a lot of you know dealing with state regulations and filings and all of that stuff and then of course it's leading the uh the local control accountability plan which is massive and so yeah. um give everybody an overview of of what that position looks like yeah so i mean i i'll say that the a big benefit of this position for me personally is that it has allowed me to really get a firm understanding of the TK through 12 and into adult education um, program that we programs not only for our own district but also at the state level and all the compliance issues related to for, to all those programs. So for me, it has been a very um, great learning opportunity. So I think that. Um, has greatly allowed me to build my skill set moving into the executive executive director position. Um, so that's been a great opportunity for me. You're right. There are a lot of compliance related issues within the state and federal position. Um, specifically, this year has been a very challenging year because on top of all of the regular compliance in the LCAP and and the various federal requirements that are in place, there has been a lot of additional compliance related issues with, you know, obviously I think most people are aware that with the pandemic came a lot of additional funding that came directed at schools, which is a great thing because we needed that funding to better address our student needs, both in distance learning and as we transition back into hybrid and hopefully full in-person learning. But with all that additional money came a lot of additional compliance and a lot of additional planning, which the, the, the writing and the filing of all the compliance related issues does come back to the state and federal department. So it has added a lot of additional layers. Um, but so in a, in, a, in, a, in a regular year, I mean, there is a lot of focus on, you know, really work working with the stakeholders and the community to really get their input into 
what is the district plan to best meet the needs of the of the students and i think that part again has been a great experience for me i mean it's been really going outside of you know just like a, a school setting and really working with the entire district and saying okay in the paul springs which we have we paul springs unified is comprised of a lot of different communities to really say okay really what do we think within our own um area and with our own community, what do we think we really need needs to happen to make sure that we are directly impacting our kids to the best of our capabilities? Yeah, and so when you you talk about with, um, you know, getting additional funding because of COVID, um, we certainly did. And it, it's a kind of a double-edged sword, right? I mean, you get that funding, but you can't just you know, <laughs> blow it on whatever. You have to justify the expenditures. And also, you really don't know whether they will be there in the following year, right? So you you have to strategically use those funds to assist our kids in, in a way that it, it, it won't be horrible if it has to go away. Yeah, that's a great point, Joan. I think that I think what what a lot of people don't understand is that a lot of the additional funding that is coming into schools right now is one-time funding. So it comes, it comes in one big burst. It's a lot of funding all at one time, but it's not ongoing funding. So it's funding right. that we get for one year, possibly. I mean, some of this extra funding is for two or three years, but still, that's not money that's gonna doesn't allow you to have like to put a additional teachers into place that are going to be for the long run. If, if we're going to put additional teachers into place, eventually we're going to have to find how to fund them or they're going to be temporary teachers that have to go away after a year. So it's it's one of those things you have to be careful about. How are you strategically planning that planning for that funding? If you you know, because, you know, if we get like we have expanded learning funds and that's a large sum of money, 15 million dollars. But again, it's one time funding. So you need to be strategic about how are you planning around that to make sure that at the end of next year, when that funding goes away, how does what you put in place continue to have an impact past the time that that funding is available? Right. And what you mentioned the word or the acronym ESSER, what does that stand for? Um, it's, it, I think ELO. So it's expand. I think it was ELO, but. <laughs> uh, I mean, right now, it's one of the plans that I'm currently working on, but it's called the Expanded Learning Opportunities Grant Plan. So it's one-time funding to help to kind of, you know, I think there's been a lot of talk about some of the learning gaps that kids probably um, struggled with over the time where that they were involved in distance learning. So it's like, how do we best address some of those learning gaps that may have occurred over the course of last year? when the majority of kids were involved in distance learning. So it gives us the opportunity to possibly expand the length of the learning day, expand the length of the learning year, provide additional interventions or tutoring opportunities, work on possibly more social emotional learning, those types of things, So or provide social emotional supports. So those are the kind of the things that with that additional, right now it's, it's a little over $15 million that we're now trying to figure out like how do we best use those funds over the course of the 21-22 school year to best address the needs of our kids. Right, and so then any people that you hire relative to that, they know going in that it's for a year and 
you know, maybe they'll have a, a job after that. Maybe they won't. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if we hired staff with that, we would either either we would have to kind of upfront know that we're, we're know that we have a plan moving forward that once this this expanded learning funds go away, that we're going to move that into, you know, general fund or we're going to move that into LCAP funding and know that we have a clear plan for that. Or they would have to be kind of probably be hired on some kind of a temporary contract, knowing that at the end of this year, that position might not be available for the subsequent makes sense and i i mean one thing you know you talked about getting community input on on the lcap and that happens every year because the there's a new plan that's written every three years but it does get revised every year correct correct so right now we are in the midst of kind of kind of in the midst of finalizing the the new three-year plan um the new three-year plan was supposed to be written last year um but then it was delayed due to the pandemic so we're finalizing the the three-year plan for this year but it, like you said um it's a three-year plan but within that three-year plan each year of that three-year plan we can make revisions for the duration of that three-year plan so next year when we're at when we're um at the end of the 21-22 school year or the midst of the 21-22 school year we can start looking at making revisions for the for the, for the last two years of that three-year plan. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Learn Something New every day here on KGX and KWXY. And my guest is our new Executive Director of Student Learning, Mark Arnold. And we're kind of, we, we're discussing uh, it right now um, as we're recording the show, he's transitioning and kind of two jobs. Um, <laughs> because we we don't have his replacement yet. By the time this airs, we should. But uh, the the inclusivity of the um, development of the LCAP is um, it, it's great, and I'm sure in some ways for you or whoever's in this job, it's probably also frustrating at times because you hear so much from so many different stakeholders. I mean, you really uh, cast the net far and wide to get that input. I mean, we do. We. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been a, I think that's one of the things that I, you know, if I look back kind of reflect on my time in this position and I transitioned into this position mid year. So this is my fifth year in kind of serving in fifth year writing the LCAP. I transitioned in the midst of mid-year of my first year, but um, so my fifth year writing the LCAP. And I think over the course of the time that I've been in this position, we really, the amount of stakeholder input has really grown exponentially. I will say this year, um, the amount of surveys that were completed was less. And I think that had a lot to do just with um, the way that we were able to connect with parents um, being on distance learning. And we did the way we sent home the, the survey letters and things like that. We just didn't have that direct contact with parents, just being that kids were not coming to school. Um, so that was a little bit different, but I, in general, the amount of surveys being completed and also the amount of stakeholders that are heavily invested in the stakeholder meetings that we're having. We have advisory groups that are very actively involved in the process. This year, I'm happy to say, you know, we've had our parent advisory committee has grown considerably and become much more active over the last three, four years. And this year we started to get a very active community group that was also attending those 
meetings. And by the very end of this year, we actually spun that community group off into a separate um, advisory group in and of itself. And that advisory group will continue to be a separate advisory group, a community LCAP advisory group that will continue to meet on its own, providing input all all throughout the next year and subsequent years after that. So I think it's, all that is very, very positive. I think, you know, everybody comes with their, with their, with their own um, viewpoints. And I think that's all important for us to really take in um, and to make sure that we're, again, like, again, like I said, it's a, it's about making sure we're best addressing the needs of our kids. We um, have quite a bit of money involved in our LCAP. You know, our, our, our budget this year is, you know, just under $72 million. That's a lot of money for us to spend. And we want to make sure that we're using it in a very purposeful manner to meet the and increase and improve the services that we're offering to our low income, our English learner and our foster youth students. You know, it, it, and it, the people who have been involved in giving their input, whether they're parents, teachers, staff members, students, community members, I think that they probably will definitely see, probably definitely, listen to me, that they will, that they will see that it's not just, a, you know, an exercise that, that you or whoever's in that position does to seek out that input, that it actually matters and it actually is incorporated into the LCAP because, and obviously not every single, you know, request or concern is gonna show up, but we, we definitely see themes and we definitely see that there are, you know, a good number of people that have one particular concern or various concerns and and you group those together and they end up showing up as uh as an expenditure to address those concerns right yeah for sure i think we you know we definitely take the the community input greatly into um effect when we're making those plans and use that purposely and what we're putting into the LCAP. I think the greatest probably example that we are, or one of the best examples that we have of that over the past years is really um, the guidance counselors. Like I, I referred earlier to the fact that, you know, my past experiences in the district, I was a principal, you know, at two different elementary schools in the district. So at Catherine Pinchy, when I was there, there was not a guidance counselor. There really wasn't a, a, a there really wasn't even a thought that we could get a guidance counselor. Um, and then over the course of time, there was a lot of stakeholder input um, requesting and saying that there was a need, you know, there were, were guidance counselors at the middle and high school level at, that, at those times, but there was a lot of input saying that there was a great need for guidance counselors as well at the elementary school level as well. And so we started to slowly build those into place. They started in the desert hospital, Springs community or Desert Hot Springs schools, and we continue to hear the input. And now I'm proud to say that we have elementary school counselors at every single elementary school in our district. So I think that's one of the great examples of how, you know, stakeholder input definitely impacts what we put into the LCAP. And they're busy. They're all busy. And, um, and, and along with the counselors, we also implemented social emotional learning lessons into 
uh, every elementary school as well, that they're in charge of that. And that has made a very positive difference. I mean, we've heard from families how meaningful it is. And plus, you know, having a, a counselor at each elementary school really, um, really helps the kids because they have another person to reach out to in addition to their teacher or their principals. And some kids, a lot of kids don't have that kind of support at home. Very true, very true. And so, yeah, I think, you know, as you said, we've, we've added some additional layers of social emotional lessons and professional development for teachers, which also are incorporated into our LCAP. The other piece along kind of the social, emotional and mental health is that we, within our LCAP, we have, we support the entire district mental health department, or for, I should say entire, there are some additional, some additional funding sources that go into that as well. But to have our own mental health department within our district where we can refer students and families to, that's a huge plus for us as a district. We don't have to refer students and families to outside um, organizations to get some of those additional supports that possibly, the, you know, you know, when we start talking about tiers of support that a student might need, we have those services available to students within our own district personnel. Yeah, that's that you don't find that in a lot of districts for sure. And our, our mental health department, I think we have like eight therapists um, and then some part time people, too. I they're busy. They're extremely busy. And especially now with, you know, working with kids who have more issues than they had before. Definitely. You know? Yeah. 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 And um, that's one of the on this year's stakeholder survey input. That was one of the top requests that we were hearing from all stakeholder groups, parents, staff, and students was just the need for additional mental health and counseling support. A lot of that related to issues around the pandemic, but it was one of the number one things that we were hearing consistently from all stakeholder groups. Right. And um, you just go back Let's go back before your current position and before you uh, were principal at Cabot Yorksa, you were, before you left us for a couple years and that dumb, dumb, dumb move that you did. No, I'm just kidding. I was very anyway, eager to come back. I'll say that. I know. And, you know, sometimes you think the grass is greener somewhere else and that's okay. I, did, I actually didn't necessarily think that. I was actually sad when I left. I was very sad when I left. I didn't. It was just other reasons that I chose to leave, but I wasn't looking forward to leaving. I knew what I was leaving was special. Understood. And, you know, that there's always something that comes up. And we uh, we don't stand on ceremonies here. If somebody's good and they, you know, find the error of their ways <laughs> and decide that they want to come back, we let them. So that's, uh, you know, and especially there was, there was a, uh, an opening at Cabot Yorksa and you did a fabulous job. And in fact, you know, I could just briefly mention your your protege who worked for you over at Catherine Finchie and that's Amber Gascoigne. And then she went with you to Northern California and was was a teacher there and then came back to Cabot Yorksa as your assistant principal, right? Correct. Yes. And now she's the principal of that school and doing great. So yes. she had she had a great mentor in you, and she'll be the first one to say that. But when going back to Catherine Finchie, we I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that under your leadership, 
Catherine Finchie became um, the district's first National Blue Ribbon School. And that, I, I hope you're still proud of that and, um, and look at that as something pretty spectacular. No, it still is a huge source of pride for me. I mean, it, it was, uh, I mean, it was, I mean, yes, it was uh, definitely one of those things that I look back on with very, very fond memories of just the amount of commitment that um, all of the staff and, and students actually took um, to, to make that happen. I mean, we, we, we got some, um, you know, students and staff kind of became very committed to what we were trying to, not, not, it wasn't really about winning that award. It was about we as a staff kind of looked and looked at our student body and said, okay, we can really make things happen here at the school and, and, and put into place some plans to really start addressing all of our student needs. And with that, we just started to really see incremental success year after year. And with that, the recognition started to come um, culminating with the National Blue Ribbon Award, but it wasn't about the Blue Ribbon recognition. It was really about, you know, we just started to see like, if we really become very focused and intentional about how we're addressing student needs, we can really start, you know, being almost able to, to get 100% of our kids' needs, you know, met. And so that was really what we were doing. And fortunately, with that became start we started to get some recognitions you know which was which was motivational to all of us that were involved i want to say the staff and the students but it was motivational to everybody the parents the staff the students to me um and so with that success we just kind of kept breeding some some additional success so it was a it's something i think i'll i will always be incredibly proud of and then you know till the all, all the way through my life you know i i have, still have pictures hanging in my office of some of those days <laughs> As you should be. And in our last in our last couple of minutes, let's circle back to um, gosh, I said I said to myself I would never use that term. So I used to use it and then you know Jen Saki is like gets criticized because she says that all the time to the press and it's become like lip service. You know, well, I'll have to circle back on that. So I've been I've been like conscious of not using the term and I just used it, but I'm using it in a positive way. And I want to circle back to the, to where we started, which is your new position as the executive director of student learning. In our last couple of minutes, what, what are your goals for that post during your first year? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, I, I I've certainly talked to you and we have a couple big changes within our department. You know, um, Dr. Kovach is moving into the assistant superintendent role. So I think what we're really talking about is really um, clearly identifying our base program and really supporting all teachers and staff and really making sure that we are clearly articulating that base program and making sure that that is consistently being um, instructed across our district. And then I think the next piece is really to ensure that we have a clear model for of multi-tiered systems of support in place, both for academics and for the social emotional supports as well. Um, and with that kind of ensuring that there's a monitoring and, and tracking system in place to ensure that we can tell whether the pieces that we're putting into place are making a positive impact on students. And if not, how, how do we modify those pieces to ensure that they are making an impact. If not, do we, how do we? How can we change those or adapt those in some ways? Sounds perfect. And the good news is, is that you have a fabulous team. 
in ed services. I had the opportunity during this pandemic to, to sit in on most of the ed services meetings, um, virtually of course, but I learned so much. And the major thing I learned was the amount of commitment it, within our everybody, but especially our ed services department. I know you certainly stepped up and were doing things that was not part of your, uh, your job during this uh, as we were working to put professional development in place. I think you you did all the scheduling for that. And I don't think that that was part of what you got hired for <laughs> in, in state and federal programs. But that's just an example of the can-do attitude of our um, entire staff, but especially at services. So I'm glad, Mark, that you're in the leadership position to just um, us to the next level. So thank you very much for everything that you have done and will do. And we will have you back soon for an update. All right, thank you so much, Joe. Thanks, Mark. Our show airs each Sunday right here on KWXY and KGX. Our podcast is uploaded each afternoon. Please subscribe by going to iTunes. Look for you learn something new. Press subscribe. Please tell all your friends to do the same. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to our brand new interns, Jeffrey, Bianca, and Emily. We'll have you guys on the show soon. Keep up the great work. Thanks again, Mark, and we will see you next week.